Hello, and welcome back to another edition of The Alonzo Bet. We're your hosts. I'm Aaron. And I'm Sam. And we are coming to you virtually today, a little Zoom hosting for us. And we have a great episode for you guys to get into. We have some crazy NBA playoff news. We're going to take a look at what the MLB playoffs are looking like, because you think the season just started, but we're already past the halfway mark for most of these teams. So we got to see how this is shaping up. Um, I, I'm going to say a few words about the old squad, because I know you guys have been wondering how fantasy's going. Um, and then we're going to round it out with a very exciting segment. Sam, tell, tell them what we're doing today. Yeah, we're going to, I promised you this on Twitter last week. It did end up happening. We're doing it this week. We're both going to be drafting our under 25 teams. So building up the best, best teams we can with players in the MLB under 25. However, before we do that, we're going to do a quick sort of expose on a player that is one of the biggest stars in baseball, but is sort of finally returning to the level that everyone expects of him, and that's Bryce Harper. So we're going to do a, we're going to do a few minutes on Bryce Harper, just sort of talk about what, how good he's been this year, and then we're going to jump back into those, those under-25 uh, player drafts. And, of course, Bryce Harper couldn't make the under-25 because he is 27, but that is still very young, folks. So keep that in mind when we're talking about him. Um, Sam, I know you eat the NBA up during the regular season, and it is all that much better in the playoffs. What have you seen that you've liked so far? Who have you kept your eyes on? And what does the picture look like right now as we get ready to move on from the first round? Yeah, so uh, there... Last yesterday was just an, an incredible day for for the NBA playoffs. We're we're recording this on Monday night, but yesterday Luka Doncic with an injured Kristaps Porzingis put together one of the best you know games I can remember in the playoffs in a while. He went forty three points, seventeen rebounds, thirteen assists, won the game with a step back three, uh, a ridiculous shot. Yeah, buzzer beater. Team is down one, so he needed to make it or they're going to lose. Beat uh, an incredible Clippers team, brought the series to two and two, and we're really watching Luka Doncic, you know, go from a great young player to literally transforming into one of the, the best players in the game before our very eyes. Now, he already was that in the regular season this year, but this is our first chance to see him do it on the playoff stage, which is a whole nother level. And... To push this Clippers team to, to two and two, I mean, this is they're, the title they're all favorite. knotted up right now. Yeah, yeah we all they, we both picked them for the finals. They, these are the title favorites. I will say one worrying thing on the Clippers right now is is Paul George has been an absolute wreck. I think he was two for twelve in that game. We're seeing all the playoff P memes. Uh, you know, if Paul George is playing like this, the, the Clippers gave up four or five first round picks to get him. They gave up Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander, who's an all-star level player already. Like, yeah, or was this year at least. Yeah, I mean, they gave up a ton to get Paul George, and of course, we know Kawhi Leonard was sort of wrapped in up, wrapped up in that. Like, they needed to get him to sign uh, Kawhi Leonard, but like, oh boy, does Paul George look bad? It's worrisome. Another. It's young just player. so weird because this is something that's like kind of plagued him his whole career. You know, we talk about it with some other players. In baseball, you always think about Kershaw as being a guy who kind of gets the raw into the deal during the playoffs. But in Kershaw's case, it's defensible. His stats really aren't bad. 
Paul George really has had some terrible playoff runs in his career, and it doesn't make any sense. I, I will say it's more of a recent thing. Like when he was with the Pacers before his like his his broken leg. Like he, he was true. very good in the playoffs as a young player. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I I hope for his sake that he gets it turned around. Um, but you know, he's really getting roasted on Twitter right now. Uh, another <laughs> another young player. Uh, that's been really, really impressive in the playoffs and, and has really taken me a bit by surprise. Like, not that I didn't already think he was a good player, but I didn't really think he was this good. And that's Donovan Mitchell, who already has mm. two 50-point games for the Jazz in this series against the Nuggets. They've somewhat surprisingly taken a 3-1 series lead. I know that everyone thought the series was going to be close, but I think a lot of people thought the Nuggets were the slight favorites. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has been super impressive, and not only has he been scoring all these points, but he's been doing it really efficiently. And mm -hmm. that's something that he's lacked a little as a scorer in his young career. Remember, this is only a second year. Donovan Mitchell is really exploding as a great young talent. Um, and I don't know why, but it feels like he's been in the league for longer than that. It is only a second year, but it seems like he's much you know, more veterans than that, although that's not a word. Here's a really, yeah, he has a really high level of maturity, and you hear it, you, you see it in the way he carries himself and just listening to his post-game interviews. Mm -hmm. Like, he's really humble, he cares about winning, like, he says all the right things, and is also really thoughtful. Like, I, I think Donovan Mitchell's a, a really good young star in the league, and mm -hmm. he's a Mets fan. Oh, well, that explains it. Yeah, big news. Big um, news. I, I think his dad uh, might have played for the Mets at some point. Or was like somehow part of the Mets organization, maybe as a coach. Um, the, so the just one, sorry, go ahead. The, well, do you have anything left to say about Mitchell? I wanted to move on to no, one, no, no. One up. Yes, say one more, and then I'll go on. The, the the other I the other series that I think is worth talking about so far is that the Philadelphia 76ers were just swept by the Boston. That's what I was going to talk about because it's just so uh, bad. Yeah, it's, and, and, you know, this is a Sixers team that did the process, got Joel Embiid, got Ben Simmons, traded two first-round picks to draft Markel Fultz over Jason Tatum, <laughs> took Jaleel Okafor over Kristaps Porzingis. But, you know, they had all the chances, and they hit on two big guys in Embiid and Simmons. Which I think is actually not bad. I think 50% yeah. uh, in top draft picks like that in the NBA is, is a pretty respectable percentage. Yeah, yeah. And, but really, since they got those two guys, have they gotten any better? They no. Signed, they, they signed Horford this year. They re-signed Tobias Harris. Those guys were absolute no-shows in this series. They end up after everyone thought they had such a good offseason, they end up in a first-round exit after pushing the Raptors to seven games last year, you know, mm -hmm. the eventual champions. They got worse this year, and of course, Ben Simmons was hurt in the series, so it's hard to really put, you know, full blame on them, but they were an absolute no-show. I just don't think that with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons as their two go-to guys, they have a high enough ceiling. I think they have to tear it down. I, I mean, I have to agree with you. I think that for them to be competitive in the league, the way it runs right now, they need another superstar. And I don't see a way that they add that to their team. And even if they added another superstar, short of being a guy like Curry, LeBron, or Kawhi, it's probably not enough. Yeah, I mean, the question will always be, is there enough offense 
when Simmons and Embiid are on the floor together. Because right. they're, they're, it's just hard to get enough shooting around them. But I think if if you had a guy like Curry who could handle the ball and score, oh yeah, I mean, if you, I think if that you, turns Simmons into a totally different player. Oh yeah, I mean, if you if you put Steph Curry on that team, they're an instant title contender. But I mean, yeah. Steph Curry is a, is another level of player. He does do that for most teams. Um, yeah. So to summarize here, we have Boston already ending the series. Toronto ended their series with the Nets, both in sweeps. You have uh, Miami sweeping the Pacers. And then Utah leads the Nuggets 3-1. to one. The Rockets and Thunder are tied 2-2. I love this series. I already talked about it. The yeah. Lakers are up 2-1, but lead by 29 points at halftime. So you can pencil them in for a 3-1 lead. Uh, the Bucks are up 3-1. And then the Clips just cannot get past Luka. That's a 2-2 tie. So we'll keep our eye on the NBA picture. And we'll make sure that we're keeping you updated. Because it's really, really exciting stuff this season. But let's move over to the MLB. So in terms of injuries and setbacks, we've seen Judge, Glaber Torres, and James Paxton all deal with injuries recently. Obviously, Mad Bum is still out. Justin Turner had some tightness. Steven Strasburg. The Nats got the news that Steven Strasburg is out for the season, and that's really got to hurt. That really hurts that. That team is really scuffling. They're already really in trouble, kind of like they were to start last season, but they don't have the time to make it up. And now their ace, arguably, or their co-ace, is out for the season. That's they really, just, really they, tough for them. They they just lost a lost a back and forth game with the with the Marlins. They were down nine three, got it back to eleven eight, but they couldn't pull it out. So they've now fallen to eleven and fifteen. And that's that's not a good place for them to be right now. Um, COVID has actually been relatively quiet since we came to you last. There was really only one, uh, incident that occurred and it was yeah. actually a team geographically close to us. Yeah. It hit, hit near and dear to, to my heart. The Mets had a player and staff member test positive for Corona while they're in Miami. Um, they flew everyone home on a plane that night who ha hadn't been ruled to have been in close contact with either of these two members of the organization. Their thought being that checking in to a hotel in Miami would actually probably be more risky than just flying back to New York where the case rate's sort of under control. Um, but basically, you know, it, it looked um. like there could be another outbreak, but they kept it under wraps. And after those two guys tested positive, there have been no further positives in the next four days. Uh, so the Mets and they're back to baseball. Yeah, they're returning with a doubleheader against Miami tomorrow. Uh, we'll then have two more games against Miami. And then the scheduling worked out well because they missed the three-game series with the Yankees and they missed one game with Miami and their next two opponents are Miami and the Yankees. So yeah. they'll be able to make up almost all the games. They're going to play two doubleheaders with the Yankees and then play the Yankees again in September. And that'll, do, and that'll be the six Subway Series games. And I think that's a testament. I mean, you got to pay homage there to the Mets a bit because we saw other organizations early in the season. And sure, you could say the Mets had the benefit of seeing those other debacles, but they found a way to keep this under control. And so hats off to them because the Mets are back to baseball and we don't have to worry about all that other stuff, especially since the Mets and D-backs may be competing for a seventh or eighth spot in the wild card, the way things are looking right now. And I don't want that to be decided off of winning percentage. That's all I'm going to say. That's, yeah, that's right. Because, um, like, if the Mets don't get in, we're going to be robbed of the World Series champion. 
All right. So now that we're talking about the playoffs, let's actually go into what the playoff picture looks like. And as I mentioned, we are 30 games through the season for some teams. So basically halfway. Um, some teams are 29, 28, 27. Obviously, there's a big mix because of lost games right now. But we're really close to the halfway mark. Um, I do believe I erroneously said we were past the halfway mark for some teams. That's not the case. Um, and we have Tampa Bay leading the American League East by half a game. Minnesota finally taking their rightful place atop the AL Central by a game and a half. Two Oakland and a half. Ha uh, two and a half after they just won tonight. These standings are... Um, current as of let's say 8 p.m on monday because there was there were have been some games that just finished gotcha gotcha minnesota just beat cleveland so now they have a two and a half game lead um oakland has four and a half games on the astros so good for them atlanta's got two on miami the cubs have three on st louis and the dodgers have four on san diego so those are your division leaders right now those would be the first four in and i will now, say given that two teams make it if you're in the division league at this point, you are just very, very like, likely to make the playoffs at this point. Exactly. You're feeling really yeah. good about it. But remember this season, the top two from each division make it. So you got the top ones. Now I'm going to give you the second ones. I mentioned them in passing. But you have Yankees, Indians, Astros, Marlins, Cardinals, Padres. So now you got those eight teams in. And beyond those eight teams, and this is really hard to do, folks, which is why we're giving you this service right now. None of these websites have, like, first eight in for baseball yet. They all just Which, have traditional rankings. It should be um, really easy to add that. I don't know why they haven't. I mean, we literally, I think Sam could write that up in, like, three minutes. It's not difficult. But the other teams you have in right now in the American League, White Sox and Toronto are the first two in. And, and yeah. um, Sorry, go on. Sorry, go, uh, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, they're the first two teams in, and the only team really close to them right now is the Orioles. There are a lot of teams doing really poorly. That's true. So um, Detroit is about uh, three back from a spot. The Orioles are or five back from a spot. Sorry, the Orioles are three back from a spot. Um, no, the and, Orioles, Orioles are half a game. Oh, half right a now. game. And Detroit's two and a half. Sorry, I got to read yeah. from that last, that last team. Um, and then Kansas City's three and a half. But I think any... I don't know. I still think some of these teams at the bottom, the bottom four in the American League right now is Texas, Seattle, Angels, Red Sox. I don't think it's going to finish that way. So I see some movement here. The National League, folks, that's just a top-up. Right now, the top two in are San Francisco and Colorado, although the Mets are tied. So we'll have to see how that plays yeah, out. Yeah, but on winning percentage, they're ahead. Uh, that's true. Well, the, well, the, uh, well the, the, the Cardinals are also ahead, but it depends if you want to count them yet. The Cardinals are second in the division, though. Oh, yeah. Sorry, they are. Uh, yeah, so and right then, now... Of course, the D-backs only a half game back, folks. And if they can take one from the Rockies tonight, they're down 2 nothing, but they're just itching to break out. I can feel it. If they can take this one tonight, they're moving into a pretty spot. But I really, I'd say right now, with the situation there is in the NL... I could see every team but the Pirates making the playoffs, which is just crazy. But Sam, I don't know why you say that because the Pirates are literally only – well, they're four games out. That's not crazy. But it's crazy. It, it's, it's in principle not crazy, but you have to talk about them being playing four games better than, like, seven other teams. Yeah, okay. And also, like, it, it's not like we're talking about a real MLB team like the Angels or Red Sox being four games out, like the Pirates suck. 
Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so that's the picture. Now, Sam, give me one team you like to stick around there who's on the peripherals and not the Mets, and give me one team who you think's just due to fall out. Uh, I don't think the Marlins are going to be able to hold on to second yeah. in the NL East no, or, or a playoff spot. Um, I agree. I, I guess it, it depends what you count as a peripheral. Like, I think the Padres are going to run away with second in the, in, the AL, in the NL West. I think the White Sox are going to keep playing pretty good ball and, and get one of those wild cards, if not second, in, in the Central. Um, I could see the Blue Jays. I mean, the Blue Jays have, could, could easily hold on to that, to that eighth seed. See, that's interesting because I think the Blue Jays are, are going to fall out of there. Um, but a team I do like to stick around is uh, the White Sox, obviously, but I'm looking at the National League, like, I like the D-backs. Uh, I mean, uh, let me give you a team who's definitely not going to stick around. Let me do it that way in the National League. The San Francisco Giants are not going to play in the playoffs this year, okay? Uh, there's yeah, just no way I'll, I'm not letting it happen. I'll agree with you on that. They are just crap and to watch the diamondbacks walk into at&t this weekend and lose to sean anderson tyler anderson and trevor cahill and score a total of six runs or five runs pathetic sickening and now they can't score tonight on uh oh my god i can't even read his name it's so many letters in that tiny box on my four screen mlb.tv some rookie schmuck who's coming up throwing nothing absolute <laughs> pus Hey, look, it's upsetting, but the D-backs are obviously sticking around. Um, I, and I will say, listen to, our, listen to what we have to say about these teams, because since we declared the Rockies not real last week, they've gone 0-7. That's correct. And since I talked about the D-backs definitely getting ready to break out offensively, Cole Calhoun knocked a solo home run to break the seal. Okay, so 2-1, to D-backs. Let's keep our eyes on that game. Um, now... Sam, we talked about some teams that are good. We talked about some teams that are bad. Let's talk about a team that may define mediocrity as a segue into our next segment. That team is the Philadelphia Phillies. They're definitely not good, but they're not bad. They're you know, bullpen they're, bad. Oh, well, they're bullpens historically <laughs> bad. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they actually just made a trade. They tra uh, shipped away a prospect. And Zach Eflin, I believe, was it Eflin or was it no, Pavetta? No, it was Nick Pavetta. Pavetta. So they, sh they ship away Pavetta and a prospect to bring back uh, Brandon Workman, uh, David Hale from the Yankees, and one more reliever in the Red Sox pen. Keith and the Hembry. reason they're it was Keith Henry, Keith yep. Yeah. And the reason they're doing this is because they've had to begin the season a historically bad bullpen. I believe in their last ten or twelve games, the bullpen's ERA was eight seven one. I think that is af after that trade. I think Keith Hembry blew a save the next day for a loss, <laughs> and then the day <laughs> then the day after that, Brandon Workman almost blew a save, if not for a runner, if not for Dansby Swanson being thrown out at home to end the game. Oh my god! <laughs> 
And let's just say, folks, that sometimes that's how it goes for teams. Sometimes, like, no matter what they do, no matter how they plug the pieces together, things just don't fall their way in a season. And I think that in a 60-game season, that's especially true because you just don't have time to write some of those funky things. But obviously, the Phillies' bullpen has been awful. What hasn't been awful, though, is their lineup. And that all centers around a guy who is extremely well-known, but often scorned and ridiculed um, with plenty of reasons sometimes. But that guy's Bryce Harper. So a little background, if you guys don't know Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper has been a phenom in the baseball world since he was 14 years old. He was on the cover of SI at 15 years old. He was a catcher who there are all sorts of legends about. He's me and Sam's age, and he's from Las Vegas. So he used to play in the Arizona travel ball circuit. I never played against him. I played against Cody Bellinger once, um, but I never played against uh, Bryce Harper. But there were all these stories about him hitting home runs that looked foreign to a 13, 14-year-old kid because they were grown men home runs. He's always had so much pop in his swing. Um, he went to junior college so that he could enter the draft early. He got his GED and went to junior college so he could enter the draft early. And he's been playing Major League Baseball since he was late 19 years old. Um, people forget that he's now 27. He's got, he's been playing since 2012. So this is his eighth season here, uh, his ninth season here. And he has quite a resume already. Uh, let's not forget that in 2015, he had a historically good season, amassing 9.3 war, walking 19% of the time to a 20% strikeout rate, homering 42 times, driving in 118 runs, scoring 99 times. He had a WRC plus of 197. And that's I over think, a full season. I think that's the highest anyone's had since Bonds in a full season. And he was 22 years old when he did that. And, and we'll remember there was a time during which it was legitimate debate to say, would you rather have Mike Trout or Bryce Harper going forward? That was 100%. A, that was a legitimate debate people had. Because that was an amazing season. That is, an, that is truly an all-time season. Um, but since then, things haven't always been as great. So in 2016, he had a 111 WRC+. Plus. He was 155 in 2017. So people are like kind of shitting on him because he only had a 4.8 war, which is like, I don't know, but, when you're 155 but, WRC plus, like you basically have to not play defense. But he only played 110 games that year. He got hurt. That's true. Point. Yeah, that's true. In 2018, he was good again, 134. Last year's 125. The homers have always been there. He's always driven in runs. He's always taken his walks. His walk rate last year was all, was 26%. Like, no, he's always his, taking that was, his walk. That was his, that was his K rate last year. Oh, sorry. His K rate was Jesus Christ. But he has always taken his walks. He was at his low watermark since 2017 last year, and that was 14 and a half. But, geez, the K rate, I think that indicates the problem. So, um, this year, though, Sam, why don't you tell us his stats? And then I want to give you um, my understanding of the situation based on some things that I've read about him. Okay. Uh, I'll note, again, small sample size, only 23 games. But he's got seven home runs so far, 320 batting average, 450 on base percentage, 667 slugging percentage, has a 192 WRC+. Plus. He is striking out at a lower rate than any other season in his career at 17.7%. Uh, and this is as strikeouts continue to be, go up throughout the game. 
Uh, he's he's walking at an insanely high rate as usual, 17.7%. So he's he's walking as often as he strikes out, and you know he looks like the Bryce Harper of old. He looks but, really good. But but I will note that that Bryce Harper is one of the streakiest hitters out there. So when he's right, he is just so so dangerous. But when he goes wrong, he can really look like he's totally lost at the plate. So the question is, is this just a hot streak or is he back to what we all expect out of him? And so this is what I read though, Sam, is that they looked at a hundred game streaks or, you know, he's at 96, but roughly a hundred game streaks or hundred plate appearance streaks um, over his career. And he's been this hot many times. He was this hot in 2017. He was this hot in 2014, 2015. But what, what we see is that the K rate's going down significantly. When he was hot previously, the K rate wasn't going down. And you can actually go in and pinpoint that. And again, I'm getting this information from an article on ESPN. Um, and when you go in and pinpoint what's happening, he's not chasing breaking pitches out of the zone nearly as much as more. So in Bryce Harper's career, after 2015, no one threw him first pitch fastballs anymore. He has the lowest or second lowest rate of first pitch fastballs in all of baseball. And so he sees off-speed, he sees junk, and he gets anxious, and he chases it out of the zone, and he's been, quote-unquote, anxious for, you know, five years now. And he just is up there, and he can't find a pitch to hunt. Well, this year, he's finally laying off those breaking pitches. He's letting him get out of the zone. His K rate's better. His walk rate's where it always is. But he's finding pitches to make hard contact with, and he's still making... Sorry, uh, that's kind of a misnomer, because... He's still making the same type of contact he always has. You know, he's making contact. Uh, his exit velocity is about 90.2, which is good, but not great. It's only 70th percentile, 69th percentile in the league. But what he's doing is he's not making that weak contact anymore. He's hitting yeah. line drives and hard line drives instead of absolute rockets and small dinkers that he accidentally makes contact with. Yeah, and I, I think you make a good point there, which is that I, I don't think look just looking at someone's exit velocity number is exactly the best way to, to think about like how they're hitting. What yep. you want is to hit the ball hard, of course, but you want to hit the ball hard in sort of the right launch angle. Uh, and then, so like in that sort of barrel range where you have a chance to turn those into extra base hits. And then outside of that, you know, you want to make your weak contact you know, where you can get dunk base hits and stuff like that. But you, exactly. you want it, like when you make your hard contact, you want it to be in that right launch angle bin, as opposed to just looking at your average exit velocity, which is a number that doesn't maybe matter as much. And thank you for saying that, because that's exactly where I was going. His barrel percentage is 94th percentile in the league, which is yeah. an indication that when he's hunting pitches and when he's making hard contact, he is getting them at the right angle and the right speed, and he's absolutely ripping those balls. So he is uh, he's really having a good season right now. Already got seven bombs, 19 ribs. He swiped four. He's got a 320 batting average, but wait, his, expecting, his expected batting average is 319. He's right there. He's not doing anything crazy. His WOBA is 453. His expected WOBA is 467, so maybe he's even underperforming just, just a small hair. And you love to see this from him. Um, he's a polarizing figure because he's like pretty obnoxious, and I understand that. 
but he is truly one of the great talents that our game's seen in a while. And uh, it's great to see a superstar have a good year like this. And, and I will note, like, like you said earlier, he's still only 27. Uh, and, like, he's put together the early part of a career that could easily be a Hall of Fame career. Oh, oh yeah. Are so, you serious? He basically came straight into the league and started amassing 120 minimum WRC pluses. Yeah. So, like, you know, as, as much as Bryce Harper has prob- has certainly underperformed expectations. That or at stopped. least the value of his contract so far. Well, that's been one year, but I sort of mean ex- the expectation of him turning into the next, you know, Ken Griffey to being, you know, but like the, better. Yeah. To being sort of Mike Trout's peer through, through a decade that hasn't happened. Yeah. And you might say it's unfair to, give those expectations to any player. They're almost impossible agree. to live up to. But I think in the fact that he's given, been given those expectations, he's been seen as underperforming throughout his career. But I just, like, like I just want to stress, he's been phenomenal in his career. He could easily end up in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, let's appreciate him for how good he's been and just remember that he's always got this level to go to that is like MVP level. And he's, he's going to it right now. Yeah, and I think that, like, he already has a higher war than a couple guys in the Hall of Fame at 36.5, which is more of an indictment on Bill Mazeroski than it is a yeah, uh, no, promotion I, I, of Bryce I, Harper. But. I, I think the, the typical sort of minimum war you sort of see to get into the Hall of Fame conversation these days is, like, in the 60 to 70 range. Yeah, because, absolutely, but yeah. He, he's certainly on pace for that. Yeah, no, I, I could easily see him getting to that. Um, yeah. Okay, well, great. So that's Bryce for us. And um, if you guys have a player who you really like, who you think is doing great this year, or you want our unexpert opinion on, you know, why he's not doing great this year, make sure you reach out to us. Find us on Twitter, at uh, the Alonzo Bet, or uh, email us, thealonzobet at gmail.com. Um, But with that, I'm going to give you guys a quick fantasy update. Talk about some guys who are absolutely out of their minds right now. Some people that you might want to consider picking up um, if you're trying to make a push into the playoffs late. Uh, So obviously the superstars out there, Mookie Betts, Jose Abreu, um, are absolutely raking. But watch out, you know. Brandon Lau, if you're in a, a league where guys aren't super active, maybe didn't get drafted. He's like the fourth best guy what, over the last 15 what, days here. What league doesn't have Brandon Lau on the team? A ten, an eight or ten team league in Yahoo where, you know, maybe not all the players are active. I don't know. You guys may play for fun, but you may still want the bragging rights over your friends. I, when I talk about Mookie Betts, Jose Abreu, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, those are guys who definitely were drafted in the first three rounds, no matter how many teams are in your league and no matter how much they know about baseball. Brandon Lau is a guy who may not have been. So another guy who you may be sleeping on this season is Anthony Santander, who has been the fourth best outfielder in all of fantasy baseball and has just absolutely killed the ball all season. Make sure you get with him. I've, one I've, thing I've, I've, I've been sleeping on Anthony Santander. I didn't realize he's been doing that that well. Oh, he's out of his mind. And let me talk to you guys about the, the rest of the season because we talked about the MLB playoff picture. But I want to talk to you guys about fantasy. So to illustrate my point, I'm going to remind you that I play in a keeper league. Uh, but this year we said forget the keepers. It's a weird season. Let's not worry about all that. Let's just 
play a rotisserie season uh, with a totally new draft. And that's what we did. Well, our trade deadline's coming up. I'm sitting here in third place and I am selling my team because A, I want the draft picks for our keeper league, which pays more money. That's important. But B, and this is what's important for the rest of you, most of the players on your team right now are replaceable by a waiver wire pickup because we only have 30 games left. So if you can consistently find a guy who's going to get hot for five days, and this happens all the time, all you need to do on ESPN is go to players and sort by player rating over the last seven or 15 days. You'll find guys who are hot. If you go and do that and you're smart about it, you can't just take the top guy and expect that to work. But if you're watching games and you have a good idea, you can see that there's a change in approach or you can see that they've always had the tools and they're just getting hot at one moment. Yeah. Go, go ahead and take them. Go, go look at their expected WOBA over the last 50 plate appearances on Baseball Savant. That'll tell you if Perfect. it's real or not. It'll tell you exactly what's going on. And by doing this, you can replace really, really great players. And if you are in a league where you, you know, are keepers or you play every year and you want to take a couple draft picks, great. If not, fill positional need at a value that you may typically balk at. But right now, knowing that there are certain positions that are deep and certain ones that aren't. So if you play in a, in a league that has more than 10 teams, pitching's tough to come by this year. Go get some pitchers for your hitters. And if you play in a really, really big league, if you play 14, 16 teams, you need to go and get a power bat because there are a lot of home runs this season, but they're concentrated. You need to go find someone who's going to hit the ball out of the yard. Of course, Juana suggests Kyle Tucker, who's been tremendous. Um, Danny Santana is coming back and looking really good. Jesse Winker is playing out of his mind. So there's some pickups for you guys. Um, as I mentioned, I currently am uh, sitting in third place, but looking to move up. Uh, oh, actually, it looks like I've dropped a little bit uh, since my last check here. Today's been a bad day. I'm now in fifth place, but it's all really close except oh, for number no. one and two. Well, number one and two are way ahead, and then it's us. Um, but the same idea applies, and if you guys have any fantasy questions, want to know about a player, you know where to go. It's the Alonzo bet, baby. Yeah, so with that, uh, let's, Aaron and I are going to play our own little fantasy game now, and that is we're going to draft our, our under-25 teams. And sort of the, the metric we're going to do this by is we're going to, the entire pool of players is anyone who uh, is in their age 24 or younger season. So that basically means they had to have been 24 uh, uh, on June 30th this year. And we're basically going to draft our team with the thought in mind of we're trying to build a team to compete for the next 8 to 10 year window. We're not worried about their contract. We're just worried about picking the best piece to compete. And remember, has to be 24 or younger. Some 25-year-olds who are in their age 25 season that did not make the cut. Yoan Mancada, Shane Bieber, Walker Bueller, Pete Alonzo, Herman Marquez, Lucas Chialito, Roman Ramon Laureano, Austin Meadows, Shohei Otani, Will Smith, Kyle Lewis. These are all 25-year-old players that we won't be talking about. So if you're wondering why they didn't show up in the rankings, it was they were just slightly too old. And so those everyone, are all guys who, who likely would have found spots. Yeah, I think that's maybe not all of them, but they all would have been in consideration, certainly. Absolutely. So, Sam. So I think we should do a snake draft. 
So the question is, do you want the number one or the number two pick? I want the number two pick. All right, that's good, because I wanted the number one pick. And with the number one pick, I am slotting into one of my outfield spots, Juan Soto. Yeah, I believe that's who I would have taken number one. Um, but the reason I wanted the number two pick was because there's a bunch of other guys who are, you know, right there with him, I think. Yeah, and I, I, so when I was doing, when I was thinking about these rankings, to me, there were three guys who I thought there is a legitimate argument to be number one. And there's a fourth guy who's like right, right under them. Uh, but at the end of the day, and let me just say who I thought those three guys are. I think you're going to take these two. With I mean, I'm going to take them anyway, so let me take them, and then you can compare. Right. Fernando Tatis Jr., who's only 21 years old. Yeah, and, and Juan Soto is also 21, I should have said. And this one's actually kind of harder for me, um, but I think I have to take Acuna. I just think he's more... Oh, wow. So we, we actually had a disagreement there. Oh, you would have taken Bellinger? Yeah. The thing is, is that I think Acuna is actually more like let's call it recession proof. He's a guy who I don't think is going to go through periods of tremendous struggle that are full seasons long, the way that um, Bellinger has. And I do think that Acuna brings a little bit more to a team. He, he has maybe, um, maybe a slightly less disciplined approach at the plate, uh, but he has just as much pop, more speed, a better arm in the out, uh, maybe not a better arm in the outfield, but I, more I range think in the Bell outfield. Bellinger was arguably, you know, one of the five best fielders in the league last year. Bellinger was a tremendous center fielder. I'm not saying that Acuna is a better fielder than him. I can't say that. Uh, Bellinger played tremendous center field last year. Um, but I think just at the end of the day, looking at uh, two seasons ago, and then looking at Bellinger this season, I am kind of worried that he's going to be an on-again, off-again type of guy as Christian Walker takes a high-and-in fastball <laughs> out of the ball yard. It's a tie ball game, baby. Get Ryan Castellini off the hill because this young gun can't handle a real D-back squad. Um, I, I will I will note to you, though, you, you sort of just referenced Bellinger two seasons ago as a down season. He had a 120 WRC plus that year. Yeah. Acuna had a 126 WRC plus last year. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I don't really see the the down part of their offensive outputs as being all that different. Uh, and I guess I'm wondering if this was, say, a 160-game season, if you're sort of viewing what's happened to Bellinger so far as like a really early season slump mm. as opposed to like another bad season. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's actually really interesting because you're probably right. You know, if he was 30 games into a normal season and was hitting like he is, I'd probably be like, don't worry about Bellinger. He's going to be fine. Well, but I'm glad I'm glad you took Acuna because that allows me to take Bellinger. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty stout on your part. Um, and I am going to, since he's played first base in the past, actually slot him in at first because I sense. think... I'm going to have more people I want to put in the outfield. But, but I, will, I will note that something we'll talk about in, um, in, in sort of this is, is positional scarcity. So we're going to value guys who play premium defensive positions more. So Absolutely. guys who play up the middle, center field, shortstop, catcher, second base. And actually, before we move on, 
let's talk about the Juan Soto versus Fernando Tatis Jr. debate. Because I, I think at this point, those are the top two. Okay. Uh, well, 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 hold on, hold on. Before we talk about it, I will make the same argument you just made to me back at you. If Fernando Tatis had started the season this hot in a 162-game season, would you really be ready to be like, oh, no question, him over Bellinger? Well, maybe not. And actually, I was going back and forth on them in my mind. I ended up settling on Tatis at number two. But, but, but yeah, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Like Tatis, I said, actually, at the beginning. So for me, Tatis is the clear number two because of his position. When you look at Acuna and Bellinger versus Tatis, outfield and first base, and not to mention Tatis is younger, which helps, but outfield and first base are not as scarce as shortstop is. And he's not just a shortstop. He is a really good shortstop, despite well, the advanced metrics not liking him. He has all the tools to when he learns how to play the game the right way and when he learn, Sorry, that's not a shot at him hitting a grand slam the other day, obviously. I'm not a freak. I just mean, like, <laughs> when he learns to be a technically sound shortstop instead of just a kid with amazing range, amazing glove work, and an amazing arm, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be a tremendous fielder. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I will say to that point, I think he has so far been that this year. It looks like he's cleaned up all the mistakes on simple plays that he yep. had last year. Yep. But I just, I just wanted to point out that, you know, if he's the shortstop he was last year, that's terrible. If, he's, if you believe in the improvements he's made so far this year that they're here to stay, then it looks like he's easily sticking at shortstop. He has, you know, the upside of one of the best bats in the league. He just absolutely crushes the ball. Mm -hmm. if, you have, if you have one complaint about him, it's that he's, uh, he strikes out a bit too much. Uh, yeah. but, but that's but something that can be learned, too. But when you hit the ball as hard as he does when you make contact, then I, I think you, know, you, you can live with, with a few extra strikeouts. But, but that distinction is sort of what puts Soto above the rest for me. And by the way, Sam, yeah. to your point, his exit velocity and hard hit percentage are 100th percentile and his barrel percentage is 98th percentile. His sprint speed is 97th percentile. This guy is incredible. The only things that he's not super high in are K percentile and whiff percentile. He's 23rd. Yeah, and Juan Soto is basically equally as high as him in all of those uh, categories. Except but sprint speed. He, yeah, except sprint speed, of course. Uh, but then when you get to his K percentage, he basically strikes out less than anyone else in baseball. So he combines like insane, insane plate discipline with the ability to never miss when he swings at the pitch. And when he hits the pitch, just absolutely punish it. I mean, we're talking about a 21-year-old who has a career WRC plus approaching 150. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and, he's, and he's continuing to get better every year. But I don't even like, think it's fair to say a 21-year-old because he has way more at-bats than a 21-year-old has any business getting. Yeah, I mean, basically, people are never this good this young and don't make the whole thing. Like, that's how good he is. He's incredible. He's truly amazing. And... I think that if I had the first pick, I also would have taken him because positional scarcity aside, there's no hitter on this list with a higher ceiling or a higher floor. I agree. Uh, His floor 
is the ceiling of half of the guys on this list. Like, he's just always going to command the zone. He's always going to hit pitches hard. The guy knows how to hit like a seasoned veteran. He knew how to hit as a seasoned veteran as a 19-year-old. He's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of crazy that when he came up as a 19-year-old, it was kind of out of nowhere. Like, he was a top 100 prospect, but not like a top 10 prospect or anything. People expected Victor Robles to be the next guy up in the outfield for the Nats. When Victor when Robles had up. all of the, uh, literally all the makings of a superstar. We thought it was going to be him, and then it turned out to be uh, our boy Juan Soto. Yeah, and how lucky that they got him as, you know, as Harper left. Yeah, seriously. Uh, well, so you're taking Belly with your second pick, but who's your third pick? Uh, I'm going to go with a pitcher. And I'm going to take Jack Flaherty. Ah, man, I wanted Flaherty there. And I think Jack Flaherty, uh, his second half last year is just absolutely insane. I think uh, we're going to take two pitchers each. We'll we'll sort of cover some of the other pitchers, but I think he is a clear, clear step above any of the other 24 and under pitchers. Now, there's some 25-year-olds like Shane Bieber and Walker Bueller that I'm probably taking above him. Mm-hmm. But as far as guys this young, I think he's the clear, clear number one pitcher. And I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I would have taken him if you hadn't taken him there. Um, he just, I, I think his floor could be an issue, but he he really showed the ability to pitch in a dominating fashion last season, which is a thing that, 95 plus percent of the pitchers in the league literally cannot do for a half season stretch. They, there is no outcome where they do this for half a season. Yeah. And so for him to be able to do that kind of cements him as a possible ace. And that alone, uh, I think does warrant him being taken there. So now that we're tossing it back to me, I'm actually left with a number of uh, really interesting decisions, but for me, if I had to take another guy here, I think it's Glaber Torres. And I know I already have that middle infield lined up, but Glaber is really a tremendous talent. And I know he's struggled a little bit so far in the early going this season, but he's a guy who is really slick in the field. Let's just start right there. And he's really good at the plate. He's got a ton of power, 209 ISO in 2018. Then he knocked it up to 256 for 2019. You know, his WRC- he, hasn't, he hasn't been able to play the Orioles enough this year is the problem. That's true. His WRC Plus has hovered around high 120s since he's been a big leaguer. But, you know, I still think he's figuring it out, and he's almost 24, so he's on the older side for this list in particular. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of room for growth here. He already has put together some impressive seasons. He has the pedigree. Um, when I look down along this list, there's a lot of really good players. Um, but he is kind of a cut above most of them. So I take Yeah, and I I sort of, like, ranked my top 10 before this exercise and uh, have have a list of other guys that I'm considering as well, and Glaber was my number six. So he he was next on my list as well. And and I'll say, you say, you know, hovering in the high 120s WRC+, you know, you love that when you're getting good defense up the middle as well. That doesn't come easy like that. Um, All right, so you get you get one more. I'm gonna take Raphael Devers. 
I just think he wow. he keeps going as a hitter. Like he keeps getting better and better, and he has the makeup of a guy who could hit for a really long time, kind of like Juan Soto. You know, he he K's a lot and he doesn't walk nearly enough to be Juan Soto. But what you see is that he has grown every single year. He's grown as an offensive player and as a defensive player. Um, a little bit of a step back so far this season, but it's 27 games, and so I'm not I'm not too worried about that. So um, I have, I have Devers there. If if Devers had come out and built upon his success from last year at the beginning of this season, I I would have sort of plotted him into my into the back end of my top 10. Mm -hmm. I have him more in like the 11, 12 range for myself. Uh, but oh, oh, also you have Glaber at second, I assume then? Yeah. And, and Devers at third? Yeah. The thing that, if, if we're just talking about bat, I think Devers is, a, is clearly a top 10 player on this list. He is what a, I worry about is his glove at third base, and is he going to end up sort of DHing and playing first? Well, who knows? He may slide over to first base by the time this whole draft yeah. is over. I don't know. All right, all right. Um, so you took Glaber and uh, Devers. Devers. Uh, I am going to take uh, Luis Robert. Damn, put him in the outfield. You're killing me. Um, you know, Louis and Luis Robert, you know, only 20 games under his belt. I don't care. What, I, what I'm getting here is high, high upside. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, he is a higher upside than pretty much everyone but the top four on this list. I disagree. There's a guy you're forgetting. Well, okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. I, I might be about to draft him too, actually. Okay. Uh, who is it? If, if it's who you're thinking about. But but Robert, insane power, insane speed. Just watching him track down every ball in the outfield has been incredible. And and the speed and power combo just gives him a really high floor. Oh yeah. Like like he's gonna be a great player. The worry about him now is is the whiffs. He he he's he's striking out a lot. But if he can cut down on that, he can turn into a real star in this league. Mm -hmm. The next uh the next guy I'm drafting, gonna slot him in at shortstop. Has actually not played a major league game. Wander Franco. Wander Franco. Yeah. And you know, I'll admit it. I've never actually watched Wander Franco do anything on a baseball field. Yeah. All I've heard is that he's basically the greatest positional player prospect since Mike Trout. Maybe you know, since Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Like. You're looking at a guy who's literally getting 80 feature value grades on prospect rankings, can play shortstop, is a, a savant with the bat, supposed to have an amazing hit tool. The one question about him as a 19-year-old is how much power he's going to develop into. But it sounds like the floor is just an incredible hitter at shortstop, mm -hmm. and the ceiling is a guy who also is, is hitting 40 home runs. You know, we're talking about a guy who, who could be the next Mike Trout in baseball from what we've heard. Again, he's 19. He's never played a game in the major leagues. But the, the ceiling is so high that I'm taking Wander Franco here. I respect that. Um, I'm going to have to take Eloy here, the White Sox I wanted less. Um, but still a guy who I think rounds my lineup out nicely since he's got that light tower power. Um, and I, I'm DHing him, though, so don't, don't worry. There's no yeah. shock that I'm yeah. letting him play the field under any circumstances. Um, and then I think I have to take a picture, a pitcher here, just like to be real about it. 
And this one was pretty tough for me um, between Mike Soroka and Chris Paddock. But at the end of the day, I think I got to take Paddock. I just really like what I see out of him. Soroka really, to me, um, is a guy who could be an ace, will definitely be a good two or three, but is not like overpowering and doesn't have the ability to really like close guys out and shut things down um, when he needs to. Uh, so he's good, but I don't think he has the upside that Chris Paddock has. Chris Paddock has like, you know, peak Bumgarner year upside, I think. Um, I, I think that he has a real chance to be a true ace in this league. So I got to take Paddock here. Yeah, I mean, I've I've shared my doubts about Soroka on on the pod many times. I would there. I think there are actually two pitchers that I would slightly pick before Paddock. Although I think it, Paddock's totally defensible, um, but I'm not going to tell you because I, I you know. I, I mean, I'm definitely going to take one of them. I still might take him later. Now, taking Eloy and slotting him at DH. I think, and, and I was actually going to take this guy with my last pick, but I know you're such an irrational hater that you'd still be around. I, how you could choose Eloy Jimenez as your DH over Jorgen Alvarez is beyond me. Jorgen Alvarez it, sucks. The, the Jorgen Alvarez is the man who was the best hitter in baseball last year over, the play, over his plate appearances. Over like a 50-game stretch? Whatever. Over, over like half the season. The reigning rookie of the year. I mean, I... I guess that Eloy can play the outfield at least, but I don't see how you like Eloy's bat better than Jorgen. Although Jorgen's now probably going to be out for the season. He is out for the season. He's on the 45-day yeah. IL. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm pumped to get Jorgen in. At, uh, at I, I, I think I would have left him, Sam. Yeah, I know. Um, at second base, I am now going to take Ozzy Albies. Great. Um, Great. And Ozzy Albies is just the type of guy who he's not showy. Like, like he's more of a he's not a really high ceiling guy. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be an MVP or anything. But he just does everything well. Can hit for a little average. Can hit for a little power. Can field a really good second base. Has some speed. And he's the type of guy that like through just doing everything well, can be like a four to five win player like every year for the next 10 years. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, I mean, this isn't in consideration, but the, the contract that the Braves signed him to is like an absolute joke. It's, yeah, it's, it's, mal it's malpracticed by his agent. Um, I, I mean, agree. Also, also, honestly, Acuna's contract is, is in a similar category. It's so bad. So I'm in an interesting spot here, but I'm going to play a little gymnastics. I need to fill first base, but instead of taking Vladdy Jr., who I'm super worried about, I'm going to take uh, Keston Hira and play him at third base, where I think he'd be just as good as he is at either of the middle infield positions because he's not that great at second or third or shortstop. And I'm going to slide Devers over to first base, where I think he'll be a better defensive player. Um, okay. And so Keston's off the board. And let me say a word about Keston. I know that he's been up and down since he got called up. But, again, when we're looking at this list, there's so much upside there. And I do think that his floor is pretty high because he's a guy with really good bat-to-ball skills. So even when the power's lacking a little bit and even when he can't find gaps, he's going to give 
his team a lot of chances to get a base runner. He's going to give his team a lot of chances to score. Um, and for me, you know, I'm looking at the rest of this list that I have here. Um, and I think that as far as position players go, he's got a really good blend of uh, upside and already shown that he can do it. So I take Keston there. And then with my other pick, this is also tough for me, um, but I think I'm going to have to take my guy, Joe Adele, who I really think... Um, I really think Joe Adele is a five-tool player. I think that he is better, has the chance to be better. He's not better than currently, obviously, but has the chance to be better than Acuna, who I took second. Um, and he's really just getting started. So there's a lot of risk in this pick for me, but a ton of upside. Okay. So you left Vladdy around. I did. So... I guess I'm going to move Cody Bellinger back to the outfield and slot Vladdy at first. And I'm, you know, I'm also pretty down on him. But at this point, like, the bat, the, the, the ceiling of the bat's so high. And he's got to start hitting the ball in the air more. Uh, the, the fielding's bad. He's moved to first, but... He can just hit the ball so hard, has just such insane contact skills. I, I think he's. I think if he starts hitting the ball in the air a bit more, embraces the launch angle a bit more, there's a really high feeling on that bat. So I I'm going to put Vlad Jr. at first, and then I'm going to put uh, his teammate Bo Bichette at third. Uh, okay, I like that. Bo, he just, uh, you know, had a knee injury, and I actually don't know if, do, do you know what the prognosis on that is? I How don't. long he's going to be out? No. no. And, and and the knee has sort of been a bit of a worry for him so far. But, I mean, he's a guy who, from the second he he came up last year, is raked. And, I mean, he only has about a it's little... It's still day-to-day, -day, Sam. Okay. So so it's not it's not severe. And, you know, he, he only has, like, 300 or so plate appearances in the major leagues. But in those 300 plate appearances... He's hitting 320, has a 150 WRC plus. Yeah, he's been tremendous. Is is not is you know stri doesn't strike out very much, shows a little pop. Like he's been incredible. Uh, yeah, and we'll see if it we'll see if it continues. But I, I'm happy to get that bat, slot him in at third. Uh, so this worked out perfectly for me, Sam, and I appreciate you doing this because I want to take Jesus Lazardo as my last pitcher. That's who I wanted. Who arguably is is going to be better than Paddock. I mean, he's just incredible. They're both incredible talents. Um, but I finally get Jesus Lazardo there. And then, you know, we I talked about him in passing. And this is another kind of pie in the sky. Because this is a guy who's got a ton of warning signs on him. So um, I don't feel great about this. But when I look at the other options for his position, I have to take him here. Um, and honestly, you're not going to like it. It's Kyle Tucker. He's my last outfielder. He has to be. How old is Kyle Tucker? Kyle Tucker's 23. Oh, wow. He's younger than I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, he, he's the type of guy where there's, like, a bit of, like, post-prospect hype because, like, he was hyped a couple of years ago and it never never really came up. But, I mean, right. like, he, he hasn't really done anything to, like, necessarily warrant losing that hype. He just hasn't really gotten opportunities. Right. He's only ever had... He's got career 
252 plate appearances over three seasons. He's never had more than 100 plate appearances in a season, and he only has that this year because he's finally hitting lefties. So I think that when this guy figures it out, he's going to hit like he did in the minors, a guy who could easily put up 160 WRC plus in a good season. Um, and, you know, to get him here with really no other good outfielders left on the board, I don't like him better than Robles, you know, despite Robles' amazing defense. Um, no more Mazars left, but I don't know. Jared Kalenic, I don't know anything about. So I, I would rather take not, someone who I've at least seen do a little bit. Not going to be good. Kalenic got no shot. <laughs> so those are my two. Um, you, Sam, didn't take, I, you didn't take Zach Allen. I did not take Zach Allen, I know. But I do think Paddock and Jesus Cesardo are better than Zach Allen. I agree. Um, so I think I have my final two picks to fill out my team. I'm going to take my second pitcher and my catcher. Uh, my catcher, I'm going to take Adley Rushman. Um, Thank you. I, you want Joey Bart? I wanted Bart, yeah. Yeah, Adley Rushman, last year's number one pick. Another guy who hasn't played a game in in the majors, but there's not really a an established under under twenty five catcher really. In, yeah, in for the what it's right worth, now. Will Smith is twenty five, and I believe Danny Jensen's like the next closest, and he's twenty six or something. Yeah, Will. If Will Smith was available, I I definitely would have taken him. Yeah, Danny uh, Jensen's twenty five too, and I think Jensen would be a reasonable pick, but he's too old. Yeah, but, you know, catcher is notoriously a position that takes a bit longer to, to get up with. You know, there's, there's more to perfect. Uh, but Adley is the type of, type of catcher who, who could also be an incredible hitter, and that's, that's rare to find in today's game. Yeah. And, you know, and, that, and those guys who can, who, can be, who can stick behind the plate, give you good feeling behind the plate, and also rake, they can be – the most valuable players in baseball because that's how important catcher defense is and that's how hard it is to find hitting at the catcher position right now. And that's why, guy, but... that's why a guy like JT Romuto is just going to get a lot of money in the offseason. Let me just say this about Joey Bart is that he's got a pretty good defensive scouting report. Like I know that there's a lot of people who profile him as a first baseman, but I'm not giving him up behind the dish yet. Um, and Joey Bart, I believe, has the better bats. Obviously, we're talking about shit we really don't know because we've like seen 15 uh, major league plate appearances from Bart and zero from Adley Rushman. But um, I, it looks to me like he does. Plus, this is a very minor consideration but and probably should not be considered for this. But the Giants have a much better chance of fostering a future superstar as a position player than the uh, Orioles do right now. No offense, Orioles fan. But this is this is your team. It's not the. Uh... I know, I know, and I'm obviously going to turn them both into superstars. But I I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, uh, I I guess I, you know, again I've, I haven't seen Adley better either. From my understanding, I, I think he probably has a bit better bat, and that's why I'm going with him. Uh, but then let me fill out my second pitcher. Uh, guys, I could have taken into consideration Zach Gallen, Nate Pearson maybe, but I ended up going with Dustin May, who's looked what? really – I went with Dustin May. Over Mike Soroka there? Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Dustin May is a guy who I think has look looked insanely nasty so far this season. Soroka just tore his Achilles. I mean, there are question marks coming back okay um, okay that's that's fair that's really fair 
Uh, and Dustin May is just throwing, you know, darting 99-mile-per-hour two-seamers that are making Manny Machado just look like an absolute fool. Like, the stuff just looks nasty. And I know, I know uh, given the stuff, he doesn't get as many swings and misses so far as, as you'd expect. But I think he, he might be the type of guy, maybe like a Zach Wheeler, who's got the stuff, and it takes him a little while to figure out exactly how to sequence it to get the swing and misses. But, like, the, the stuff is A-plus. I mean, I agree. And, I think that's, that's a good pick. So let's go through our teams and compare, Sam. Okay. At, at catcher, I have Bart. You have Rutschman, right? Yeah. I think that's a wash. At first base, I have Rafael Devers. Who do you got? I have Vladdy. I'll give you I that like one. Devers. I like Devers there. Second at base. Second, yeah, who do you got? I have Albies. I have Glaber. I like Glaber. Yeah, so I'll give you that one. At Short third, stop, I, I got Tatis, so. Yeah, I guess you got that one, too. Uh, I've Wander Franco, though. Maybe the only guy with a higher ceiling than Tatis. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I'll give you that. Uh, third base, I have Bo Bichette. I have Kesson Hira. Um, I, I'm going to take that one, I think. Yeah, I guess, like, Bichette's got the higher ceiling. I mean, he's but also I, been better so far, and, and he's younger. Yep. Yeah, fine. You can take that. Uh, okay, and then uh, the three outfield spots, I've got Juan Soto, Luis Robert, and Cody Bellinger. That's a hell this of an where, outfield. This is where you get me, because I have Acuna, Joe Adele, and Kyle Tucker, so you really took up the outfielders. Yeah. I think if you so, argue you go one, two, three, I'd maybe take all three. Yeah, but if you just talk about, you probably have two of three, I would say. Yeah, like Acuna is better than my next. Well, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. a brutal way to look at it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. DHI of Eloy Jimenez. I mean, I just objectively got a better DH here with Jorgen Alvarez, but we can agree to disagree. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to leave it at that. <laughs> I will. I will give you pitcher number one um, because I have Paddock, and you were lucky to get Jack Flaherty, so I'll give you that. Yeah, um, I, I like Luzardo better than May, though. So Me too. I'll give you pitcher number two. So it looks like we got pretty close. Your outfield definitely crushes mine. Um, our pitching is similar. Uh, you might be better. I might be deeper, as deep as a two-person can be. My infield's better, and our catchers are equal. So we did a pretty good job, I'd say. Yeah, and both these men, if, if, if a team could be lucky enough to field one of these lineups. Yeah, oh, for the next For the next eight to ten years, we could be talking about five World Series. Easy, easy. Unless they have to play against each other, then they're splitting them. Yeah. Yeah, well, well that, that was a lot of fun. That was great. Uh, I'm glad we did that. And, guys, uh, we'll be back to you all the time with fun stuff like that. If you have something you want to see, how many times do I got to say it, Sam? Find us, okay? TheAlonzoBet at gmail.com, at TheAlonzoBet on Twitter. Um, get at us and talk to us about baseball because, obviously, we enjoy doing so. Yeah, and uh, we will be back to you guys next week. Uh, with, with that, a bunch we- of bunch more news next week another stat corner which it could be a player stat corner we'll have to see and another special segment that you'll have to stay tuned to hear uh so with that thanks for coming out guys uh for the alonzo bet we're your hosts i'm aaron and i'm sam signing off see you guys next week <laughs>